You heard right. You're listening to Tan Van Tour Talk, Season 11, Episode 8. We're back in the van after a day of not being in the van. Which reminds me, maybe we should do the lay of the van. Jared Cheek driving. I'm wearing a Mike Adams Hit Is Honest Weight shirt, the new shirt, available now at flannelgraphrecords.com. $15 for small through XL, $25 small through XL for the hoodie version. Very soft and comfortable, Heather Gray. I'm also wearing my same old Brooks Brothers cord shorts, corduroy shorts by Brooks Brothers. Find it in the clearance section. This is your old pal Mike Adams. I'm riding shotgun. Today I'm wearing blue jeans, wool socks, and a sort of a tan manila covered colored shirt. This is David. I'm behind Jared. I have on a red plated shirt <laughs> and I actually changed my pants. I'm wearing navy blue Slim Fit Chinos from Uniqlo. Oh. Today's episode of Tamman Tour Talk brought to you by Uniqlo.com. I was waiting for 80s yeah, me branding. Too. He stopped doing that. I really wish he would still do it because it's always good for a laugh. Say DM in the back right. I'm um, wearing a blue shirt. Looks almost exactly like David's shirt, but blue. Um, black jeans. That's it. We're currently on I-10, headed east, making the swing back toward home now. We've crested. Uh, we're heading from Los Angeles, California, to Phoenix, Arizona, for our first ever Arizona performance. So as you know from the previous episode, we were supposed to be in San Diego last night, but the show at the very last minute, 11th hour, was canceled on us, to our chagrin. Uh, so, we found ourselves in a, with a day off in Los Angeles. Oh, but we haven't talked about the L.A. show, I guess, on, a, on an episode. No? Did we? Let me wake these other guys up and see if they care to talk about it. Oh, did we not? We haven't. We haven't done an episode since the L.A. show. Oh, man. It was weird. Yeah, I would say big thumbs down. Yeah. It's like, uh, got there, played at Cafe Hotel. Hotel Cafe. Hotel Cafe. In Hollywood. Um, and... Folks weren't there. Yeah, no one was there to let us in. Folks weren't there, and then uh, when they were there, they acted like they weren't there. Yeah, the staff was very cold. Uh, Nice place. The the venue was nice. No one was mean. Yeah. I talked to the door guy mostly, and he was nice and helpful. But But it took a while for, 
find out who that person was. Yeah. And it was uh, the load in is at six thirty. Yeah. Your set time where you start playing your first song of your set is seven p.m. Yeah. Uh, which dumb. It's not a lot of time. No, dumb to figure out where you're going, get set up, get microphones set up, and with no one help being helpful at all. Yeah. It was really dumb, and playing that early on a Thursday in Hollywood was just garbage. Um, like like someone someone who came and was very nice, and uh, one of your fans came and was just talking about how 7 p.m. on a Saturday, on a uh, what was that Thursday? I guess. Yeah. 7 p.m. No one's getting anywhere by seven. Yeah, people after are still traffic, home work, from work, and everything. So that was a bummer. He told me he took a half day so he could come to the show. Really? Yeah. He actually took the day off work so he could come to that show. Well, shout out to we'll Perry. say we'll say Perry G. Keep it anonymous. Yeah, definitely the high point. Uh, he, he and Daniel. Daniel also uh, nice. Two, two nice guys that we met at the show that yeah. definitely improved my mood after we played. Yeah, that's just to show you, listeners. All it takes is one nice person being cool. Yeah, and my supportive to really turn to things show. around. Sorry, what'd you say, David? I said, shut up, Jared. Uh, my friend Ariel came to the show. She's a professional oh, gif oh, maker, oh. animated gif maker really? in L.A. Yeah, that's what she does for a living. Oh, wow. Whoa. My friend Nick Sinex came. Charlie Sinex's son. Yep. Uh, I say that because Charlie goes to every show that happens in Bloomington. Yeah, and I know Charlie. Uh, Nick has a new cassette tape out on... Aris. Aris Apothecary. Oh, yeah, right. Which is very funny to me because he recorded it when he received a ukulele as a gift for Christmas. He quickly <laughs> recorded a handful of songs about a fictional Hawaiian vacation, <laughs> gave it to one of his friends, Chris Sterley, and forgot about it. <laughs> Flash forward about 10 years, and it's now a cassette tape. That's so funny. Uh, Mike has a new cassette tape on... Uh or is it CD? What are you talking about? The BF's CD tape on North Apothecary. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's that? A band I was in, the band that, was, that would become husband and wife, called the Bailey Frequency. Uh, we released a three-song just like demo at one point, and Bruce really loved it. And so he recently asked me if he could reissue it as a cassette tape. Man, he's doing a lot of passion uh, yeah, releases. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it looked beautiful. It was a shame that, uh, to me, that someone would like those songs. <laughs> but he he had a lot of very flattering and nice things to say, and he has a real connection to them, according to him, that uh, a nostalgic connection to those songs, which I appreciate very much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I more I, I definitely gave him my blessing. Who else was in that band? Tim and me, and Ryan S. Dill. And our friend Brett. It's also nice to see uh, some folks from Bloomington out at the show. Uh, Ryan Murphy, uh, Barat, oh, yeah. uh, Chris Swanson, yeah, Brian Kerr. I met his lady friend who also was from Bloomington. Jenny. Mm -hmm. Jenny. What's her? Jenny, yes. Nice lady. Gabrielle. Um, Gabby, yeah. Um, 
Broadernot.com. Broadernot.com. Hey, that's like, a big can I tell you guys a Can I tell you guys, the listeners, something? Yeah, definitely. That's the point of the show. <laughs> I'm not asking you. Yes, tell us. <laughs> brought, me, uh, brought me a cake and uh, got on stage right before we were about to play our last song and made all uh, five people in the audience sing happy birthday to me. Uh, which was very nice. Thank you, Barat. He uh, he had secretly been texting us, asking if we thought that would be okay to do. And I guess and then you guys didn't think that us, wasn't going to be okay. By us, Jared means Jared. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> uh, I was mortified. Just to be sure, uh, I was tell. mortified oh, everyone and tell. wanted to die. But it was nice. And It was nice. He ordered it like a few days before. He's like, yeah. all right, the cake has been ordered. Yeah, he's a, he's a planner. But um, at that point in the set, I didn't even know. The other thing about the hotel cafe, cafe hotel, is that it's, uh, I think on purpose, they dim the lights in the place so that you don't have to know that you're playing to no right. one. Or maybe you're playing to a lot of people. It doesn't matter. You cannot see anything. If you've seen season two of True Detective... You know how there's that bar and there's that sad folky lady singing to like four people getting drunk? This is like an like a high class version of that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So you could imagine whatever you want. Um, and by that moment, I imagined that there was in fact zero people there. And that and then he was getting on stage and I was just like, Oh, we just have one more song. <laughs> Like what? Let us get through this, Barack. Please. <laughs> they did it. It's an interesting setup. A lot different than what the shows you guys normally play. In that it's like there are five bands tonight. Each one goes on on the hour at the next hour. It's not really a like a curated show that goes together it's at a any point. Belt. It's just five yeah, it like hurting hurting cow, cattle in there to play, and then they had amps. The next and shift bass. goes on. And that was one of the. Uh, Worst moments is when I, I was, yeah, it just kind of looks, it kind of felt like they have a thousand people who come in here and try to just play a show. And, and that's why the staff was so cold, you know. Yeah, if they got definitely. to know the animals that they're slaughtering, <laughs> it would be much more difficult to turn them into the meat that they It'd are. Be much more True. difficult to tell them, oh, yeah, you're not getting paid tonight because 50 people didn't come. Um, yeah. Also, uh, like, we were bringing in stuff. So like I don't know, we just didn't know, and the guy at the door was like, like we're like lugging this bass amp in. He's like, we have a bass amp. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks for putting it on Thanks. stage with the drum set that we're not going to be using. Yeah. Yeah. Weird stuff. Yeah, conveyor belt is the best way to put that. That is a really poignant description of that venue. But. And I said this the other day, it was like, I tried to be sensitive to the fact that, like, it's, we're in a, uh, we're in a run-of-the-mill venue in Hollywood, and everyone here is trying to have their big break any minute. It's just a different, it's a different attitude than what we are used to. And I try to be sensitive to that local flavor, but... God, it, it yeah, was it's not a pleasing show. It feels like a, a venue intended for showcasing yeah, definitely. to that, music industry yeah. people. That's what someone told me 
uh, when we mentioned you guys were playing Hotel Cafe, it's like, oh, it's kind of a weird place. It's where people like, like, yeah, like up and coming singer songwriters try to get discovered or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, a Hotel Cafe is like another good way of thinking of it. It's like you check in and. No, don't say it, Jared. Yeah, do not say it. Go ahead. What? Uh, because, you know, they just make like a really bland, you know, like a general atmosphere mm -hmm. that can apply to anything. Yep. Yeah. And you just get through the night. Yeah. That's true. And you rent it by the hour. That's why it has that dumb name. Yeah. Because they're weird. They have the amenities there for you. Yeah. Like, you oh, yes, here's a stage. Nice, but you can't stay. Yeah. <laughs> well, once your hour's done, you feel dirty and you just leave. Yeah. Ugh. And that's why they have that sink that's at crotch also, level so you can clean up. On this tour, we have lights that we made. Yeah. Uh, and usually every night, we do them. We try to do them. Uh, and the one time we didn't do them, we, we like had to discuss discuss it. It was like yeah. a thing. Last night, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that that was not going to happen. Yeah. And then nothing was going to happen. I, so kind of like felt like, what are we doing? This yeah. isn't even like... It wasn't our really show. get the chance to do it. Yeah. Right? yeah. It did not feel like our show. Felt like yeah. I missed your first whole song and a half trying to park the van. Oh, jeez. Gabby said she missed it. She was like, I was in traffic. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, yeah, Sound of Series almost Sound missed of their whole nearly show. missed their set. Yeah, because they were stuck. Yeah. They had to cool. shorten their set. They, by like three songs, I think, right? Yeah, they said. played yeah. a very small set. I wonder if they felt similarly. Because there were more people there when they were playing. Karen was so stressed. She was talking about it even afterwards. She was so stressed. I think. Uh, I don't think she even got to the point that we were at in terms of surveying and analyzing the show itself. Oh yeah, she just I think just to... getting to it was yeah. enough of a challenge for her that she felt accomplished <laughs> and glad for it to be over. The, okay, so the show is bad itself, but but after the show, we had a good time hanging out with everybody. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, and even like the people who were there were so kind. And, you know, we just rattled off a list of, 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 you know, ten friends. And they are our friends. So it was nice to hang with our friends yeah, after the set. And, uh, hopefully next time you guys, are, you know, it's a different venue where hopefully those same kind of people come out and it's just a better, better show atmosphere. This is a bit of hyperbole. I don't know how true it is. But it feels to me like L.A. is a place where we actually have a lot of friends. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe it's second to Bloomington in terms of place where we know the most people uh but and if we had played a normal show we could have brought most of them out to and, the show you know the people who did come plus other people who we know more people even who couldn't come that's for what whatever I mean. reason yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i mean because it was a weirdly timed right show people that we do know couldn't make it so yeah well if we ever go out west again we need to let our booking agent know that we have friends at the echo yeah definitely I, you know that kind of came up actually one thing that was weird when we were starting to book this tour, because I had planned to play with Triptides, uh, because we were doing a tour with Sound of Series, it got a little tricky where we were able to book things because we were booking two bands, not just one band. That was part of it. Also, Triptides was doing a bunch of touring, and then Bryant was on tour uh, with Mia uh, right before this, and so it was a little bit hard to coordinate all that, too, because none of it was... It was all kind of nebulous. So that was discussed and talked about, but it just, because everyone was 
in a kind of a busyness cloud. It didn't really get nailed down, so we got what we got. After the show, we found a nice taco truck. Yeah. Had some tacos. Stayed with Bryant. Speaking yeah. of the Trip Tides boys, um, since your San Diego show was canceled due to a venue being sold and turned into a VIP bottle lounge chill zone or whatever, uh, they offered their space to record you guys yesterday. Take it from there, boys. Yeah, it was fun. It was way fun. <laughs> good good Shout segue, out to Jared. <laughs> Boldy. Josh. What is Glenn's last name? Brigman? Brigman. Brigman. Brigman on campus. Yeah, so our buddy Bryant, who was once in Honest Weight, uh, and an old, old Bloomington friend of ours, he's since moved to Los Angeles and is in a band called Trip Tides. And they... They have a recording space and rehearsal studio where they invited us. When they found out our show was canceled, they invited us in yesterday to record some songs. Uh, and so that's what we did with a chunk of our day, which was pretty fun. Trip Tides also have a tape on our apothecary. Do they? Third one in this segment so far. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know they had one. That's cool. Uh, oh, before we went to the studio... We stopped by Permanent Records, which you might be familiar with from Chicago. There's also an L.A. Permanent Records. And while we were there, none other than Chris Cohen wanders into the store. The Chris Cohen. Who we're all such a big fan of. We are. Uh, That's true. And we got to hobnob with Chris Cohen for a little bit and chat with him. It was very pleasant. It was nice. I, uh, I was able to give him a copy of the Jimmy Webb tribute album. Which, he was one of the first people on board with it. Uh, one of the reasons we kind of... Went, uh, went ahead and get, got, started getting it together. He ended up not being able to do it due to time constraints and things, but it was nice to give him a copy of it. And uh, he said he's working on a new album, which we're excited to hear. Nice, yeah, you nice know, fella. I have to think, we, didn't really, we haven't talked about this much, but we all had nice things to say about running into him. But uh, of all the people we could have run into in L.A., I feel like he's one of the few that all four of us would be like, whoa, cool, neat. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was saying after we left that there's not a ton of people. There's hardly, there's not very many musicians that I get a little bit like starstruck by, but he's one. And when he was in there, I was like, oh, there he is. Because I've just spent so much time listening to that, his record. And loving it. Like, I just, I love it. It's yeah. one of my favorite things the past really couple good. of years. The it's label like, Joyful Noise Recordings has an annual Flexi subscription series, which is kind of like our outreach thing. We can get cool bands to give us a song and, you know, pay them a flat fee. And yeah. It makes the label look better, and we get to do a cool thing for the band. And uh, Chris Cohen was like, has been on the top of my list for people that I want to be on the series for two years now and so I got to harass him about that too <laughs> did cool. he seem receptive yeah he did but uh, Carl says he, he emailed him last year and he just didn't have any material oh. and he, he seemed to not even know what the series was so I don't know how he also mentioned that he's very slow at making music Yeah, he said he, he may have a b-side that would work out cool that would be great yeah, yeah I am so Anxiously awaiting new Chris Cohen record. 
The other thing that's kind of funny about this whole scenario is that it was literally the four of us and Chris Cohen in the record shop. No one else was even in the store. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny thing. Oh, <laughs> I had a dream that Aaron had the last 7-inch in that box set that was missing the 26th 7-inch that Chris Cohen had with him. <laughs> I just remember that dream. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, it's not very uh, interesting to the listeners. How but do you know? How do you know? <laughs> they could be eating You it know, up. I realized... Uh, what if they just turned it off? So of I... <laughs> <clicked>. Nope. <laughs> I bought a record on Discogs uh, last month, uh, the Organ Stop Pizza record from the yeah. 70s. It came from Permanent Records. Oh, no kidding. I realized later that the seller, the email address that like you know you pay through PayPal uh-huh. was Permanent Records. Oh, funny. And then I saw on the, the um, sticker on all the records that had the artist name. It was the same font and everything. It's like it probably funny. just was in the store and I bought it on the internet. And hopefully today we will go to Oregon Stop Pizza if it works yeah. out. So can you tell us, you said they open at 5. Do they have from like 5 to 10, is there an organist going? I, I, we wait I assume that's the plan. Outside. We should get there early, yeah. <laughs> uh, we should actually get there early just to be safe. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, I think we should call first and find out. Uh, it's this pizza place that has a huge pipe organ inside and some guy just plays it while you eat pizza pizza last night that was so good oh that man was, it was probably my favorite pizza i've ever had that was one of the more interesting dining experiences i've had yeah because we were like basically seated in a living room what was uh, it called masses 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 tavern it was so good it was very Masa's. good third uh one of horatio sands three top places to eat in la <laughs> And a lot of other, there were a lot of, of a lot of other accolades on their bathroom hallway. Uh, seems like a like one of the top pizza, pizza places in LA. Yeah, it was similar to you, Indiana, Midwest, Chicago area folks, the region. Uh, similar to a Giordano's pie. Yeah, but the crust was more like a Pizza Hut crust, but like good. And what I mean is greasy and buttery, yeah. and not like cornbread. But like soaked in good olive oil instead yeah. of oh delicious yeah I don't mean whatever. to disparage it because I, I'm the reason I say it's akin to Pizza Hut is just because of how like uh, oily theirs is yeah. but I mean that in a good way. Shout out to Bryant for buying our pizza. Yeah, what a guy! What a guy! Yeah. Bryant gave us a place to crash for two days and then he bought our pizza. We provided him with a bottle of wine. And that's pretty much it. And our company. That, that we, that <laughs> that we, we got helped, for free. <laughs> that we helped him drink. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good wine, though, man. Yeah. I'm happy to have that. Yeah, it was nice hanging up there. Now we're on our way to Phoenix, Arizona. My first time in... Everybody's first time in Phoenix? Oh, yeah. I've been... I worked in Phoenix for Phoenix. a week. One, okay. Once, yeah. One summer. Uh... Before we get away from L.A., I do just want to say, in general, I like Los Angeles. We love it! Uh, it's, it's one of those places that uh, I feel like a lot of people hate it. But I actually feel really comfortable there and uh, have always enjoyed myself. I've been twice now, and every moment has been fun, just mm-hmm. about. With the exception of the 40 moments that we were on that stage. I have- the tight 40... We just need to 
maybe do this tour without playing shows. <laughs> if we didn't have to play the it shows, it's in the way. We could to just load have in, sound check, take the stuff in and out of the van. If we could just actually, I take that back. That show felt. Oh, I felt like we played well, and that was fun. Yeah. It just was. It's a heartbreaker to play to no one, and you, and you know the conditions are bad. Anyway, point hey. is, I like Los Angeles. I like LA. After the show, I was talking to my friend Nick about, uh, he was talking about meditation and uh, presence, and I was kind of explaining to him, it just kind of, within our conversation, made sense to talk about the show and how awkward it was and how whenever there are bad vibes going into a show, it's hard to be present in the music and, yeah. and to like experience that kind of flow state that uh, is fun when you're playing. So that's why I was explaining to him why the show wasn't great for me. It's because it was like self-conscious and weird. Yeah, that's a good point, David. And like to, that you are thinking about something besides what you're doing right there. Right. Or like getting lost in it, which you're, is the fun part of being playing st- music. Stressed about the atmosphere and right. or like the appearance or I don't know. Or what. how quickly you need to get on and off stage. Uh-huh. Or, and, and even like logistical matters like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, playing music is one of the only times in my life where I don't. Where in the moment I'm actually not thinking about what I have to do next. Yeah, that's, maybe I think that's true for yeah, me as well. Maybe, yeah. yeah, the only time I do that. So it's a bummer when it gets there and then you're like, okay, how long's our set? How many more songs? Because you're just self-conscious about the I got to think that translates to the audience somehow. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? What else Bryant gave us is that pack of cards. He did the Beyonce cards. He gave us a pack of the Beyonce cards. Really? Well, let's not go too far with that. We don't want to leave any kind of incriminating evidence in the world. Does did he have multiple packs? He did. Okay, but we have one of them. We do. That's awesome. You can't talk about it. Well, I don't know. Maybe we can. I don't think he's going to get in trouble. What if his boss at this listening? point? The he statute. Doesn't, he doesn't work there anymore. There's a statue of uh, limitations. Uh-huh. We saw it earlier uh-huh. today. And uh-huh. it's like from last year. So we're yeah. good. Bryant once worked on a music You get me video. to ramp up this truck? No. Okay, I won't do it then. That's dangerous. I will not do it. Was not dared, will not do. <laughs> Was not dared, will not do. That's good. I like that. I want to remember that. Okay. Was not dared, will not do. So Bryant used to work in Hollywood on uh, motion pictures and music videos. Uh Uh-huh. On the set. So this is from the Beyonce album, self-titled, I believe, where there's a video for every song, which was an idea they stole from Mike Adams' Dishonest Way doing a video for every song. But that's neither here nor there. Let's just say there's a famous pop star... We won't say her name. Oh, whoops. Bryant worked, Bryant worked on her music video. Her video in the studio. <laughs> and one of the props that they used in the video was a fancy deck of playing cards. 
And those fell off the back of a truck while Bryant was leaving work one day. And now one of them belongs to us. I'm comfortable saying that much. Yeah. Forget what I said earlier, guys. <laughs> There's something else we made note of to mention on the podcast. What was that? That's what I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, oh. We was like, well, there's the cards, because that's an important, very important story. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Let's talk about things Glenn said. Let's try to remember some of the things Glenn said. <laughs> oh, my said gosh. Glenn He's was cracking us up. You mean that human yeah. cartoon character we were hanging out uh, with? What did he say? It was like, I felt like he hit uh, a stride. It's been, it's been a while since you <laughs> said hello. I'm the kind of guy who's weird at a funeral. I'm the kind of guy that's weird at a funeral. <laughs> that's a line from that Bare Naked Lady song. But right? the Not line is, I'm word. the kind of guy that laughs at a funeral. Oh, that's yeah. laugh. Oh. Oh. Now I see why it's funny. <laughs> yeah. He was goofing uh, on that song God. and said, I'm the kind of guy that's weird at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a roll there. When we got that guitar down and we were all just kind of like chilling out real hard there for a minute, uh-huh. and he was just sort of free-flowing, <laughs> he was getting some real laughs out of me. Yeah, was, I, that's the most, this weekend's the most I've ever hung out with Glenn. I've just basically just ran into him at the record store. In Bloomington. Uh, yeah, fun guy. He's fun. an extreme character. But fun boy. Once we got into, yeah, once it was just kind of like, well, just let it flow, then it, then it was good. It yeah. was all very funny. <laughs> you guys recorded it to tape yesterday. We did. Quarter inch? I believe it was quarter inch tape, yeah. Quarter inch eight track, task cam machine. Sounded real good. Yeah, that was fun. That was cool. Was your voice getting uh, tired by the end? Um, No. Okay. It was okay. I thought I heard you say that it was. I, I missed her. I guess I missed her. We recorded the, the lucky one. Yeah. And that song, just because of the register that it's in, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to do mo- many takes of hey, that. Oh, sure. Yeah, so. so the Tascam 388 is an eight track reel to reel tape player. So there's only eight tracks. And when we were going into it, we said we're not going to bounce any of the tracks down. So we're just going to do eight tracks, limit ourselves. So we did. Uh, two stereo drum tracks, uh, and then we did guitar, bass, and keyboard tracks, and then Mike did two vocal. He did a vocal and then an overdub, so that's seven. So there was one more track left, which David and I decided to do our vocals on the same track, so together in the in the same room. Right. And we were doing the vocals for one track. And there's a part where it switches to David very quickly. I'm singing, and it switches to David. And we tried to do it, but David's in circle around me, and I didn't know. And we ran into each other, and I almost <laughs> fell down. And we had to do it again. It was really funny. There was, it was also felt high drama because, for me, it was like, we're recording the tape. We can't just, you know, there's, there's a little bit more effort to it. Yeah. Rather than a digital take. Yeah. So I felt a little bit more jacked up and I was like I was I was getting in the, the spot to the sing. Was there. You uh <laughs> you can watch it on the upcoming VHS tape Wacky Takes and Studio Bloopers. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry guys. We'll be quiet for a while now. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> What else? I'm just trying to pop you guys. Yeah, thanks. Get a pop from you. Yeah. Got to figure out what to do Cheap with those pops. tracks. Put us over. Trying to. Well, I'm trying to put myself over by getting a pop from you. Oh, okay. 
Not going to happen, bud. <laughs> We're going to nip it. Uh, what else did we do? We went to the record stores. We had some really good um, ramen. I've oh. never, I've never had ramen before. Yeah, that was uh, good. I've always been like, what? Is that, what's that? Uh, ten, ten cent ramen stuff from the store. Yeah, they serve it in a restaurant. I don't need that. I can eat that at home. But this was very good. You got a real problem with <laughs> the Frito burrito. The Frito burrito and eating ramen. I don't like eating things that I already have at home. You weren't at home, though. That's true. And I never, ever eat ramen at home either, so. Or Fritos. Or Fritos, actually. Uh, that ramen place we went to, Brian actually pointed it out to me last time I was there, and he was like, sometime we got to eat there. And then yesterday, our chance came up, and yeah. we had lunch at the uh, Silver Lake Ramen restaurant, and it yeah. was very good. Very enjoyable. Speaking of Fritos, can we go around and say what our favorite salty snack chip is? Mine is... Salt and vinegar kettle chips. I gotta think about this. Although I've had the wasabi ginger kettle chips from Lay's when I can find them up north, and those are my actual favorite, but hard to find. Uh, lately, I'm between the spicy Thai kettle chips, okay, and the red wine vinegar chips that you can buy at Lucky's. I don't know the brand. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Those are good. Those are good. His Grippos are my favorite oh, yeah. snack, but I don't really buy a lot of, yeah, I, I don't eat those things on a regular basis. It's very much a treat for me. I've got, uh, yeah, that kind of goes for me too, Aaron. I, Jess likes to eat chips, but we don't, we don't usually have chips in the house. Grippos are a real treat for me. I, in terms of just if I'm going for a salty snack at home, we usually keep cashews and almonds in the in the cabinet, and I like cashews a lot. Salty cashews are good. You guys remember the cashews they had at Hill's department store in the snack bar? Nope. <laughs> One more cheer. They were like the they were like six bucks a pound or something. It was like, oh man, I wish I could get some of these. They had that heat lamp on them. We could get the popcorn. That was affordable, but the cashews at the Hill's snack bar, that was... That was a real treat that we get like once a year, maybe. I love cashews. They're good. I'm not crazy about potato chips in general. I do love um, Grippos. I have a soft spot for Doritos. Yeah, though. <laughs> I'm specifically into kettle chips of any kind. Potato chips, I could take or leave. What's a kettle chip? Define a kettle uh, chip. It's just extra, I don't know what, they, what the process is. It's just extremely crunchy. Extra crunchy. Oh. Extra crunch. 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 Crunch is how I would say I like it. This, I like this terrain <laughs> we're going through. The desert? Mm-hmm. So it's patches nice. of Shrubbery, tumbling, tumbleweeds. What's going on in 80s world? You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Not this desert. I'm looking forward to driving through New Mexico. Yeah, me They've too, got man. formations and things. Do we get New to? Mexico. Yeah. That's where Cactus Yay, Jack was built. At least a little bit. From. I mean, we're playing in Albuquerque. So. Oh, yeah. Cactus Jack was built as being from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Really? It wasn't actually, but... Where was he actually from? Born in Bloomington, Indiana, from uh, Long Beach, uh, New York. 
Wait, is that a place? Long Island, New York. Long Beach. New York. <laughs> I've spent a little bit of time in New York. I've spent a tiny amount of time in L.A. I prefer New York. Seems like I don't all the... like the driving. I don't like the automobile culture. Uh, and I don't appreciate the beach just because I haven't been around it as much as I appreciate uh, city life. Cacti. Cacti fossils on the side of the dirt. Guess you missed it. I saw Strike it. three. <laughs> I'm out. See you next podcast, guys. Please exit the vehicle, Jerry. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Oh, it's warm out. It's like a warm pool out. I'm just going to open this window when, uh, when I turn into a frozen skeleton back here <laughs> next time. Uh, I don't know which, Aaron, I think that's a good point. I don't know which I prefer, New York or L.A. You know, and you got to live in those places to really compare them. Yeah. But just as a visitor's perspective, which one am I now going to feel more excited to go to? Probably New York. I, um, I've been to New York way more than L.A. Um, but you mentioned the, the vehicle, automobile culture in L.A., which I hadn't really thought of because I do like the public transportation and the ease of getting around anywhere in New York. You can get to anywhere quick. But L.A., as a big man, I like how much room there is for everything. LA's big. And it feels like, oh, I'm not I'm not shoulder to shoulder here. I'm not I don't have to worry about my bigness making someone else uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I think that's a big man's perspective. I don't know any small person that feels put off by big people. <laughs> small well, people look up to big people. I can tell you for sure that if you're getting on an airplane and I'm sitting in the middle seat, yeah, you're, that's going to be a drag for you, I see. no matter who you are. And I'm not even one of these big guys. I'm just a big guy, you know? That's a classic thing. Oh, big person in the plane seat. Because I'm going to have to be sitting with my legs spread way apart. You know, it's funny to me. Uh, you get to a certain point, like career-driven people that live in... New York, where they're like, I'm tired of New York. I'm moving to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like some of our friends that were at that show. Yeah, sure. And then and then they just go back and forth for the rest of your life if you're not satisfied in one. Yeah, the because there's such, there's such like polar opposites. There really are seemingly, but I mean, you can still do the same things that you do in both of them I in guess just so. different ways. Probably same industries. Yeah, it's kind of like. Uh, yeah. It feels like introvert extrovert to me. Really? Yeah. Mm, yeah. New Yorkers want to, are in their own little worlds. LA feels easier to me. Maybe Definitely. it's it's more similar to the Midwest in that you can drive around with things. Well, you know what? Actually, I think speaking to the introvert extrovert thing, I think there's something to that actually because in LA, I feel like. Everyone is on display on purpose all the time, and 
in a way. And, and the, I feel like the buildings and the, the city itself reflect that. Like, everything's mm-hmm. a little bit flashy. Yeah. Everything's a little bit, like, um, neon signs and uh, bright colors and... Um, I don't know what else. I don't mean this in a, I don't mean that things are gaudy. It's not like Miami. I, I don't care for Miami in this way. Uh, but I feel like in L.A., it's more like a welcoming environment to be a little bit eccentric. Yeah. Whereas New York feels more crushing to me. Well, yeah. It seems like, I mean, you can say, like, Hollywood and stuff is more appearance-based. But they're, and, and, you know, the West Coast is more outdoorsy and health-conscious. Mm-hmm. And that's part, probably due to weather, but also the movie industry. Sure. The culture that I associate with New York, I am more familiar with and fetishize more than the culture of the West Coast, mm-hmm. which I kind of see as sleazy and kind of dirty feeling. It's not romantic to me, like the New York culture. Uh, and I think there's, I mean, there's more. It's older New York. So it's just different. But I think that charges my uh, feelings about those cities, too. Well, well, then what I was getting at is, like, the opposite. Is New York, it feels, like, more intellectual and uh, maybe crushing because it's, like, more... Yeah, analytical, which which can be like judgmental. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's right. yeah. Yeah. But okay. I feel like it's the same on the West Coast with appearance. Like when we showed up in the city and we asked that guy in the street, the guy, there's a guy in a little booth um, for rec- a recommendation for somewhere to eat, and he's he just kind of laughs like that place is a restaurant and just points to the place <laughs> that he's sit- sitting next to. That was not like a real answer, right? And then when we walk back past him again, he's just like laughing at us. <laughs> Uh, which I we heard just, he was laughing at me specifically. It's possible. Well, I said you just because you had talked to him, but uh, we uh, we were definitely together. Yeah, yeah. So that felt like we were being judged. Well, yeah, but that 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 would happen probably anywhere with a certain personality. Yeah. Because like, oh, these guys are from out of town. That's funny. But I think yeah, and also you talked about like appearance. I think in LA, it's just kind of like. All you want to do is be seen and notice. Where, so it's like extravagance and flamboyant kind of style versus in New York, it's you want to wear the right thing. Like it's like not you know what I mean, or like it's the the fashion is like there is a right fashion right now, and uh, the and people kind of dress sort of the same in New York. Uh, I mean, there's diversity, but there's also, like, yeah. yeah. See, I think that's partly, because that's what I meant by my sort of cartoon image. When someone asked me, if someone asked me to describe L.A. or whatever, I'd be like, oh, superficial, trashy, looks are the only thing that matters. Describe New York, oh, it's cool, you know, it's, like, dark and cool. Uh, People know what is good and bad, you know, there's taste. But when I get to these places and sort of sink into them and forget a little bit of that stuff, what I find is that I'm much more comfortable in Los Angeles, just personality-wise. I just feel more comfortable. Yeah. And I think it is because there isn't a right way. And so my way can be the right way to me. 
Whereas in New York, it always, I, I think you're right, Aaron, it always feels a little bit to me like, oh, this is the right way to do X, Y, Z. And in general, my personality is to uh, sort of thumb my nose at that kind of attitude, that there's a right way to do anything. I feel that way more like with the way the city works, that there's a right way in New York. With New York? Because I feel like because it's so dense, you have to kind of have that crowd mentality mm-hmm. to like navigate it. And that's why you can't like look anyone in the eye <laughs> right. and all this, this kind of thing. Just like the way you behave it has to be different. So I can see where you're getting at with that, uh, being more comfortable in L.A. I also feel like there's more kooks in L.A. and I like kooks. Like restaurant kooks? Mm-hmm. Like chefs? Strike four, I think, there. Uh, <laughs> give my regards to the kook. This is very good pizza. <laughs> no, I mean kooks with a K. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> with a C. You mean C-O-O-K? <laughs> I thought you were saying kooks. These kooks made some good food. There it is again. You just did it again. I was I David asked what I said. Hey guys. <laughs> Look. These cooks made some good food. <laughs> oh, you laugh when David says it. Well <laughs> Well I don't have any strikes against me yet. <laughs> oh funny. Phoenix, I don't know anything about. I got no feeling of toward Phoenix. We met a drummer from the Phoenix Bodies a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. The old band. Is he in Triptides? Yeah, he's their drummer. Ah. Bri- he and Bryant told me the story of those two guys connecting, which was pretty funny. Um, I'll, then I'll tell it here on the show. So, Bryant moves to L.A., joins up with some guys who we knew from Bloomington who have a band going in L.A., they're looking for a drummer. They don't have a drummer. Uh, Bryant was working in, I think, Santa Monica at the time. And I forget if he was just walking. Oh, there was a bar there where Brian was working the drummer. And Bryant, our pal, is walking from work to his car one day, wearing a shirt that has a, the state of Indiana on it. And Brian stops Bryant and says, Hey, man, are you from Indiana? Bryant's on the phone, and he says, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about this in just a second. And then he gets off the phone, comes back over, they start up a conversation. Oh, we're both from Indiana. How funny. I'm from Bloomington. You're from Indianapolis. Very funny thing to bump into each other here. And then uh, they're like fast friends, kind of. And uh, somehow music comes up or something, and Bryant says, yeah, I'm playing in this band now. We're looking for a drummer. Brian says, I am a drummer. And so it's this funny thing of like, oh, weird, funny. Well, maybe we should play together sometime. They exchange numbers, that whole thing. A couple weeks later, Triptides has some studio time planned to record some demos. And the drummer, who they don't have a drummer at the time, but the guy who was a friend that was going to play drums for them on these demos couldn't come at the last minute. And so Bryant calls up Brian and says, Hey, man, I know it's last minute, but... Uh, if you feel like playing some drums on these demos, we're at this studio for the next few hours if you want to come over. And Brian says, I live two doors down from that studio. They're in a completely different part of town. And he happens to live pretty much next door to the studio. So he comes over and plays on the demos and now has been in the band since. 
Isn't that crazy? Real wild stuff. Oh, yeah. It really, really makes you think. Uh, when we woke up this morning, Brian's roommate has been out of town for the weekend. Uh, and Brian let us know that he was going to have another guest in the living room. We woke up, and I realized that the person sleeping on the couch is an old friend of mine from Lawrence, John Momberg, uh, who's a music guy, and haven't seen him for probably six years or so. Well, whenever that last Appleseed cast show was in Bloomington, he was the drummer for that band. But that was a pretty funny way to wake up, just yeah. an old friend in the same foreign place as you. I wish I, I wish two things. I wish I had known that about him and that we would have had a moment to have a normal conversation and hang out with him because I would have liked to pick his brain about that guy from the Appleseed cast. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. <laughs> the guy who I had that long, entangled business relationship with. Which I think is uh, documented in a previous season. Yeah, that I, comes believe up. It is. So I believe it is. It will be documented Let's... in Mike's upcoming book, <laughs> The Luthier. <laughs> Did you get anyone to publish that? Hey, what's the deal with my guitar, man? The Mike Adams saga. I should just publish those emails. Yeah. That, enti- that four-year-long four email chain between me and Chris Creasy. Ugh, God. <laughs> We're in Blythe or leaving Blythe. Look at all these little trees. This is a tree farm, it looks like, actually. It's where they grow the palm trees. Make that palm oil. Palm, palm olive. Connections. Had a lot of connections in yeah. LA. Yeah. I'm, I feel, maybe this is just uh, wishful thinking, but I feel like the vibe of the next four shows is good for all four of them. And I'm actually very excited to see what the next four shows look like because it seems like people are exci- the people putting on the shows seem to be excited that the shows are happening. Exactly. And the band's playing it as well. Yeah, that's true. The locals, it seems like probably some of the most normal shows we'll ever have played in terms of, oh, other bands that are talented and excited, a promoter that's excited, and a venue that's welcoming. Uh, <laughs> I just got a text back from the promoter confirming that sound or load-in is at four to be followed by soundcheck. Great. Oh, soundcheck. So we can do that, get checked, and then get some dinner. Yeah. And then we'll be ready to show up in time to hear the first band. Cool. So there's four bands tonight? Four four bands. One of the bands, uh, Roar, is playing as a solo act. Do you know what time Showtime is? Uh, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, cool. 5.30. 5.30 showtime, um, and there's a curfew of 7.30, so we really got to... this. Got to make it a tight 20. <laughs> but uh, this venue looks cool. It seems cool. Um, last exit. Last exit. Has over 3,000 Twitter followers, so that's oh, a good sign. Okay. <laughs> I, like I said, I've been to Phoenix that one time. Most of it was in Tempe, uh, where the university is. But we did get into Phoenix, just didn't do much there, so I'm curious to see what this place is like. Uh, Flew into Phoenix before going on vacation in Sedona one time, 
and just north of Phoenix is where all, a lot a lot of those saguaro cacti are. Yeah. You guys ever read that Carson Mel book? Oh Sayero? yeah. Oh yeah, you gave it to me. Did I? Uh huh. It's good. It's fun, especially to read it in the you know, in the tone of tarantula, mm-hmm. which I'm also a big fan of. Is fun. It's good. Very funny. I like that guy. Wish I had a reason to collaborate with him. He wrote some episodes of uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never seen that. It's pretty good. I, oh. I, I watched the first season. I enjoyed it. I'm half tempted to get a tarantula tattoo. One of those just weird and bizarre creatures that he created on that show. I won't be doing that, but that's one thing that creeps into my mind every now and again. Who here has tattoos? uh, What's it, Echo Johnson? Echo, yeah. He he seems like a nephew of Me Man's or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a more, like, positive uh, relative of Me Man. A nephew is probably good. That's probably about right. Is Mike the only one of us who has a tattoo? Yeah. I believe so. Man, we're not not much of a rock band, are we? Guess not. <laughs> In more ways than one, we're <laughs> Did you see uh, Kiplet's tattoo? No, what's he got? He has a tiny little dot on his in the center of his back of his if neck. Is that was a tattoo or not? Really? I think it is. I, I thought it was not at first, but now I think it, it is. What do you think it is? I mean, I thought maybe it was a tattoo as well, but then it occurred to me that maybe it's just a scar from a TB vaccination. It's of, very uh, blue, though. Maybe it's a in, uh, alien implant. Could be. Ooh. Maybe it's an alien uh, implant. Yeah. Do you guys believe that out here in the desert, aliens touch down? No. Me either. <laughs> what do you think, Jared? How do we? How, why are all alien drawings the same? Ever think about that? Do you guys realize that when the nuclear uh, um, disasters of the world take place, the only thing that will be alive potentially are rats or cockroaches, probably cockroaches, and that they will then become sentient, intelligent beings. That will be the species that rules Earth. Wow. The cockroach men. We saw an enormous cockroach last night. Yeah. (laughs) That was really gross. It was huge, yeah. Maybe the biggest I've ever seen. Saw a mattress on the side of the street with bed bugs. <laughs> you know that's something. Well, I guess we're we're fairly careful about where we stay, but you know sometimes you get in a funny situation on tour. Surprised we've never come away with any kind of uh, parasites that we're aware of, anyway. That we know of. 
Yeah. I laid down on Hollywood Boulevard, and everyone on the internet was like, dude, don't do that. Yeah, You're going to die. I saw that. Wait, dude. what happened? That's kind of weird. I laid down on Hollywood Boulevard. Why'd you do that? To get my picture with the Andy Griffith star. Oh. And what did people on the internet say? Dude, you're going to get a disease. Don't lay down on that dirty ground in that big city. And I, I think they're right. Thanks, thanks for looking out for me, guys. Who was saying that? Dylan and Megan. I guess everybody is two people. <laughs> no one's really looking out for you in that. Yeah. They should have texted you knowing you were in Hollywood and Gonna be that star and probably posting it on the internet. Yeah. You know, I do think about these the people that are willing to put us up as guests, they probably don't consider that that's what we're doing along tour and we could be bringing in bed bugs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm very thankful that they don't. Yeah, me too. I'm thankful they don't consider it. Uh, and I'm thankful that we haven't. Funny. No, I didn't. What was it? I wonder if that's like a like they make movies about truck drivers, or maybe it's um like Be Kind Rewind and it's yeah, truck drivers exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> making yeah. their own versions of movies. Every line in the movie that's like "I agree" is replaced with tin four. Yeah, and all the other trucker slang. Well. That does it for the show today. We've reached the end. Uh, we've got about two hours more to Phoenix. Looking forward to the show. We'll let you know tomorrow how it went. We've got a big drive tomorrow. Hey, if you like listening to this podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends.